Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, we are back at Addie's uh, in their wonderful tasting room. So far, we're starting with waters, uh, but shout out to Addie's, and thank you so much for your continued hospitality. We appreciate it. But we have a wonderful individual, uh, so let's start with titles, if those exist, um, and then uh, just kind of dive into all things Clyde Mays. Awesome. Yeah, uh, so my name is L.C. May. I am the national brand ambassador for Clyde Mays Whiskey, so... Basically, I travel around the country and, you know, talk all things Clyde May's whiskey. And I'm also the grandson of the original maker, Clyde May. LC actually stands for Lewis Clyde May. He was Lewis Clyde May. I'm Lewis Clyde May II. I've just always gone by my initials for I don't really know why my parents started doing that. But, uh, yeah, so been in this role now for going on six years, uh, legally speaking, uh, in terms of promoting the brand. But... Uh, this is a brand that gets its star- or got its start in southeast Alabama and has uh, really come full circle from its uh, early roots with Clyde May. And I'm uh, delighted to be here, and thank you for having me on the show. It's funny you say illegally because we'll get into the illegal stuff yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. But you said it's Lewis Clyde May? Correct, yes. Do you know why you guys started with Clyde May as the actual brand and not Lewis May or something? Well, uh, he always went by Clyde. Oh, he okay. was never known as Lewis, and everybody called him Clyde. So that was, you know, just he always went by his middle name. And really, when I was born, uh, my parents couldn't decide if they were going to call me Lewis or Clyde. And I think uh, some 
people got tired of, you know, switching back and forth, and someone started calling me LC, and that's what stuck. But I'm Clyde May the second. That's cool. So we, Tyler here at Eddie's, got us hooked on to your brand. He said, just try it out. It's a straight bourbon whiskey. That's the one that we had. And part of our show is doing the research on the company that we're reviewing to taste because we want to tell the story of it. And when we were researching, man, that was the coolest story I think we've ever read. So can you kind of step all the way back and from the start, how Clyde May bourbon happened? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how much time you got, but here we go. (laughs) I know. uh, So my grandfather was born in a very rural area in southeast Alabama, and uh, I can speak to that because I grew up two houses down from where he lived. I grew up out in the middle of nowhere, just like he did. Uh, But he was born to a uh, single mother, never knew his father, and his mother died when he was five years old. And he was raised by his grandparents, who were already fairly poor to begin with. And right around the time they brought him in, the Great Depression hit. So he had a very difficult childhood, to say the very least. And he was determined to do whatever it took to not have his children or his family go through the same hardships he went through as a child. So, uh, but before he started growing his family, he did marry my grandmother, but shortly thereafter was sent overseas and fought in World War II. He's a Purple Heart recipient, Bronze Star recipient. Uh, If you're familiar with the movie Hacksaw Ridge, Mm -hmm. which is based on the life of Desmond Doss, he and Desmond Doss were in the same infantry together, the Statue of Liberty Division. So, So um, yeah, you know, with a lot of movies, you talk about exaggeration, but I think the one category that's not said about is war movies. If anything, it's under-exaggerated with the battle and the bloodshed and everything that occurs. But he returned home from the war recovered from his injuries, started raising a family. By the time it was said, all said and done, he had eight children, four sons and four daughters. And uh, he in 1946, in addition to, and I want to be clear about that, in addition to having a full-time job, at that point in time he was logging. He was in the timber industry. Hmm. But in 1946, he began making moonshine whiskey. And Clyde May, my grandfather, never sold a legal bottle in his entire life. From 1946 until he died in 1990, never sold a legal bottle. In fact, all four of his sons, including my own father, have also been arrested at least one time for making whiskey illegally. So, uh, you know, I do this now hoping to break that family tradition, but uh, we'll see how my time in upstate New York (laughs) goes. But... uh, My grandfather did get caught one time in the early 1970s, and um, he was a pretty prolific moonshiner. It wasn't that they didn't know he was making it, but for the most part, uh, federal agents or local sheriff's departments, whatever, they had a mutual respect for moonshiners. They understood that they were just providing for their families, not harming anybody. I know that uh, moonshining to a certain degree has come under a negative light Mm -hmm. at times throughout history because, you know, it's poisoned people. That was never the case, not only for Claude May, but any moonshiner in that area. You know, they had a standard upkeep, but uh, I guess they had enough. And in the early 1970s, they arrested him and he was sentenced to two years in prison. He served eight months of that two year sentence, got out for good behavior, thankfully. And then, like I said, he kept making uh, moonshine whiskey until he died. And but he was, he wasn't your typical moonshiner. And I think that's probably evidence with you know what we do today. Sure. Uh, for starters, uh, he took the time to age a lot of his moonshine into whiskey, which is where we get our original Alabama style uh, recipe that we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, obviously, when you're aging 
moonshine and doing something illegally, you know, you're sitting on 53 gallons of evidence. So that's something other moonshiners were not doing. Uh, A lot of moonshine is often associated with corn whiskey. You know, people think corn. Uh, And while my grandfather did use corn, he also used a good bit of rye in his mash bill. He felt it was a flavor grain, which is something you'll hear a lot of master distillers say today. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, and um, the May family will tell you that Clyde May was calling rye a flavor grain back in the 50s. So, you know, I guess he was a little bit ahead of his time. He just had to be, you know, keep quiet about it. (laughs) But uh, and then in addition to that, he designed his own type of moonshine still. So if you were to go to google right now and search moonshine still uh probably 90 or 95 percent of what you'll see are pot stills Mm -hmm. that is what is associated with moonshine whiskey but my grandfather designed his own type of still that he felt made whiskey at a higher quality and more efficiently so and cooked the whiskey more evenly especially in the uh, not that you couldn't do that with a pot still, but it's easier to do that with a pot still when you're not having to look for the law over your shoulder. So sure. he was constantly innovating. And um, when he died in 1990, about 10 years, 11 years after he died, one of his sons, my uncle, Kenny May, started the brand legally. Um, and so that's why we like to say available since 1946, legal since 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had some... Uh, kind of a roller coaster of a ride we've had our ups and we've had a lot of our downs but we've overcome that and we're happy to be where we are today and uh and i'm happy to uh, report too which i mean it's been in the you know it's not breaking news or anything but we're building a distillery in troy alabama which is about 15 minutes from where clyde was originally making his whiskey and that'll be hopefully uh, phase one will be open in July of 2023. That's what we're aiming for. So uh, needless to say, we've come a long way since the humble beginnings sure. of, a, of a moonshiner. Absolutely. Do people in that area recognize the brand as someone that provided them whiskey back before it was legal? Oh, absolutely. You know, I can't tell you how many times, especially now, you know, People would probably say it either way, Mm -hmm. even if this brand didn't exist legally, but uh, especially with the legal brand, you get people all the time that's like, you know, my my grandfather used to buy from your grandfather (laughs) and my, you know, I still have some of your granddad's stuff stashed away and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, he was pretty prolific because a lot of people get bootleggers and moonshiners confused Mm -hmm. moonshiners make it bootleggers haul it and sell it right now clyde may did a little bit uh, a little bit of both if you're making moonshine you're doing some bootlegging to a certain degree maybe some more than others but he actually was as successful as he was because he met a bootlegger who had the right connections and started selling his stuff all over the southeast Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe they didn't know, hey, this is Clyde's moonshine, but they knew if they wanted the best, they would go to that certain um, bootlegger and get it. And in my grandfather's heyday, during some of his busier times a year, he was making upwards of 300 gallons a week. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he was, needless to say, I mean, that wasn't sitting on a shelf anywhere. When you're making moonshine, when you make it, it's got to be sold and out the door quickly. Yeah. Well, you said that he aged it. Do you know how long he used to age it for? Yeah. So he didn't have the luxury of aging for as long as we do today. Sure. He was lucky if he could age between 11 months to maybe 14 months. So roughly a year. That's still longer than uh, I would have guessed. Yeah. You know, what he would do early on, and it's uh, a fun story that a lot of people like to hear, because he was in the timber industry for a good number of years 
uh, he actually he had to figure out ways to hide the barrel. That way, even if someone just stumbled in his barn or whatever, they wouldn't see this aging barrel. Mm-hmm. So he did things like he would uh, put piles of sawdust on top of the barrels, <laughs> and that, and they would keep it hidden from people walking in and seeing this barrel. And he was even known, he didn't do this too often, he was even known to bury uh, barrels mm-hmm. and just keep them hid that way because, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, fortunately, we don't have to do anything like that today, but, uh, you know, cheers to him for, you know, the dedication to Absolutely. do it. That's awesome. And your grandma just supported him the entire time. Hey, look, uh, <laughs> you know, she uh, she took care of the kids and did her part. You know, it's uh, uh, she, a lot of times they would have these glass gallon jugs that would have uh, – wine or something in it that they would buy to use for the moonshine so they'd pour it out and it was her job to clean out the gallons to make sure there wasn't any leftover residue from any kind of liquid that was in there previously but no she was i think in that time in that era you know that wasn't a thing that was like you know if your husband started making moonshine it was like well hey you know somebody's Mm got to put food on the table right now in today's time you know if you go to your wife or whatever and say hey i'm making moonshine she's like all right well i'm leaving you well that wasn't the case (laughs) right and fortunately wasn't the case for my mother either when my dad was making it because i when i say i've been around whiskey making both legally and illegally my entire life if I can uh, truly say it, because even when this brand was legalized, it was very small for a, a long time. Not that the family didn't support it and root for it, but to be honest, we just didn't know if there was a capability of something like this to grow nationally. And my father took over for my grandfather when he, when my grandfather died. So my father felt like he had a duty to Clyde mm-hmm. May to continue making moonshine. So he actually didn't stop until 2013. So uh, if that's any indication that's of so cool. being around it my whole life, yeah. So what do we have here that's available at Addie's? Yeah, so for starters, we have the original recipe, what we call Alabama-style whiskey, and I'll explain what that is in a moment once I finish kind of the lineup here. But we also have a 92-proof straight bourbon whiskey, a 94-proof straight rye whiskey, and then a 110-proof small-batch special reserve is what we like to call it, straight bourbon whiskey. And, of course, they're all unique for different reasons, you know, some rye, bourbon, whatever. But uh, what got the brand started was this Alabama-style whiskey, like I said. So this actually comes from the aged whiskey recipe of my grandfather. As I mentioned before, he didn't have the luxury of aging it Mm -hmm. for, you know, um, uh, four or five years like we do today. And he also was not aging in orphan barrels. That's kind of a common misconception. People just assume, like, we had to be aging in orphan barrels to hide it. No, he he knew a gentleman who was able to get him one fifty three gallon barrel at a time. It's not like he had a rick house or anything, sure. but he had one barrel at a time. But because he was not able to age it for as long as he would have liked, the finished product was not that desirable. You know, it did not have the finish or the smoothness that he was out to get and in addition to that because it didn't have a full amount of time to react with the barrel it didn't come out the appealing charred brown color it was more of a yellowish color and that was unappealing as well so he started seeking out ways hey what can i do to a make this whiskey a little softer eliminate some of this bite and burn and then b what can i do to make it more appealing looking because no one's going to even want to try it if it doesn't you know look correct Mm -hmm. so he experimented with different finishes and 
uh, it's worth noting when he started aging whiskey, he only did it to give to his best moonshine customers as a Christmas gift uh, to, to, for free. Just like, hey, thanks for all your support. Uh, and when he did it the first time, he didn't like it, so he poured it out. He didn't sell it to anybody uh, because he was a firm believer that his reputation was attached to every batch of whiskey he sold. So if it didn't meet his standard, forget about it. It sure. wasn't getting sold. So it wasn't until the third or fourth round that with these different finishes he was trying that he found something that was like, yeah, I like this. I think this is the the winning ticket mm-hmm. here. And it was at the very end of the aging process, not the entire time, but at the very end, he would add just a handful of oven-dried apple slices to the barrel, not for flavor, but for finish. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people instantly think apple flavor, apple, apple. He was a firm believer that you can make bad whiskey and uh, disguise that bad whiskey by over-flavoring it. So he wanted the quality of the whiskey to stand out, but at the same time, because he was doing something illegally, he did need a little help on the back end to help soften it up. Mm -hmm. And he felt that oven-dried apple slices at the very end of the aging process did that. But it also, the fact that they were oven-dry, they were literally like these brown apple chips. I've seen my dad do it a hundred times. Um, and it would help with the color. It would help darken the whiskey and make it more appealing. Now, we don't have that issue today because we're doing it legally. Uh, So the Alabama-style whiskey, it's 85 proof. It's actually straight bourbon. It's four- and five-year-old straight bourbon, but at the very end of the aging process, it's been dumped out of the barrels. At this point in time, it's still legally a bourbon. We add 0.003% natural apple extract to the blend, not for flavor, but for finish. In fact, most people who know nothing about Clyde Mays whiskey and they drink this product and know nothing about Alabama style have no idea it's finished with a Mm -hmm. hint of apple. Now, when you tell somebody that beforehand, a lot of times, you know, you're putting it in their mind and they're like, oh, yeah, I get lots of apple here. And it's like, yeah, do you really? (laughs) Um, And, you know, just kind of like if you got two guys sitting next to each other, one noses a bourbon, oh, I'm getting notes of vanilla. And then the other guy noses, oh, I am too. You know, you're putting it in their head. Uh, But I'll... What we came up with, you know, once we did it, because legally, once you do that, it's not a bourbon anymore. So we started calling it Alabama style whiskey. And the reason we did that, for starters, we wanted to kind of create our own name, kind of like how Jack Daniels wants to be Tennessee whiskey. Mm -hmm. We want to be Alabama style whiskey. But in addition to that, legally speaking we could say on the bottle straight bourbon finished with a hint of apple we just have to clarify how it was finished or what we did to it Mm -hmm. but we don't want to bring too much attention to that word apple because it's truly not as i mean point zero zero three percent i mean come on uh so uh now i will uh explain as well that Alabama-style whiskey is not like Kentucky bourbon or Tennessee whiskey where there's state guidelines or laws that kind of tell you what you have to do to qualify to be that product. Alabama-style is unique to us. It's my grandfather's recipe. We actually have that term trademarked. That's cool. Uh, That's not to say that people can't make Alabama whiskey or they can't add a hint of apple. They can do all that. They just can't call it Alabama-style. So that's unique to us. So any bottle you see... That says Alabama style whiskey. It just means just that little touch of apple, that little kiss of apple. But uh, if it doesn't say Alabama style, and this is something that has been confusing for some people, they think everything we make is Alabama style, Mm -hmm. that everything we have has that hint of apple. That's not the truth. In fact, just this yellow label is the Alabama style, and then the other three on the table are either a bourbon or a rye whiskey. So. 
when your grandfather came back from the war, did he ever have thoughts of joining another distillery and distilling for them? So a great question because so in the area we grew up in, literally I grew up on a, they called it Rabbit Road. The official is County Road 12. I mean, out in the middle and they call it Rabbit Road because in the 60s when they were looking at all these dirt roads to start paving, someone on that road said, will you pave County Road 12? And they said, no, there's nothing on it but damn rabbits. So then they started calling it Rabbit Road. Uh, so when Clyde May was making whiskey, it never, ever crossed his mind to do it legally. Uh, he didn't think that was possible. Mm-hmm. He didn't think he, it never crossed his mind to say, well, Hey, let me go to the state and see if I can get a license or, and then at the time too, there were no distilleries in Alabama. The first legal bottle of whiskey was distilled in Alabama in 2015. Really? So, yes. So Alabama technically didn't outlaw distillation but every time somebody tried to get a license they told him no (laughs) so basically in a way it was kind of illegal i mean it wasn't illegal but if you're not giving anybody the opportunity to do it it's kind of illegal Uh, and they granted the first license in 2014 which kind of uh, is why we have such a unique and interesting history because when kenny may my uncle started the whole process of trying to start this brand up he actually started in 1999, and he went to the state of Alabama to try to get a license, and they told him no, which they were telling everybody no, but it didn't help that his last name was May. For him, it was kind of like sure. a hell no. Um, <laughs> so um, he kept trying, and eventually he got tired of it and was like, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to start something special here. I'm wanting to tell my dad's story. So he began sourcing, and he was, you know, working with the distillery to finish with that hint of apple, but he was sourcing before people even knew what sourcing was. Back in 2001, if you went to your local liquor store, the bourbon shelf was probably a 16th of the size it is today in most stores. I mean, it was yeah. you had your basics, the ones everybody had known for 20 years. There was not a lot of new bourbon brands coming out at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, back then, we could look at somebody in the eye and say, hey, you know, this whiskey sourced, and they didn't even know what that meant. They were like, okay, whatever. I don't know what that means, but uh, now it's much more obviously with the uh, popularity of the internet and people right. and the growth of bourbon, people research, people know. I mean, it's at the point now to where when you tell somebody in Nashville, they know where it came from. I mean, it's come up, you know, uh, leaps and bounds. So despite that, in 2004, the state of Alabama made Clyde May's Alabama style whiskey, the official state spirit of Alabama, and we couldn't even legally make it there. Seriously? That's sweet. We got to drink it. Congratulations. Say, yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really cool fun fact. Yeah. It's, uh, Alabama was the only state in the country for from 2004 until like 2018 or 19 with an official state spirit. Prior to that, uh, most states don't even have an official state beverage. And the ones that do, it's like milk or apple cider or some kind of locally made soda. Sure. No alcoholic beverages have ever been an official beverage. So then we were the official state spirit, but we couldn't even make it there. So the ch- <laughs> And the governor at the time, his name was Bob Riley, he actually vetoed the measure. He was like, what are we doing? What? You know. <laughs> so he vetoed and was like, we got bigger fish to fry. You know, why are we worried about doing this? Well, they actually overrode his veto and kept it the official state spirit. And 
Uh, I don't know the exact number of times, but it's only been two or three times in the state's history that a governor's veto has ever been overridden, and it was to keep this the official state That's spirit really of Alabama. And the reason they, the people who, uh, the legislators who pushed it and wrote up the measure, uh, when you asked them about it, they felt it wasn't so much about the official state spirit talking about the whiskey. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the spirit of Clyde May because they felt he embodied Alabama. He worked so hard his entire life, blue collar, sun up to sun down. He had to go outside the law a little bit to provide for his family, but no matter what, his pr- family never needed or wanted anything. They were He had them covered, and World War II veterans, so they just felt he embodied Alabama. So they said, hey, official state spirit right here. Uh, so that's, you know, why we have such a complicated and weird history. I'll go ahead and tell you our current juice in the bottle that you see in front of you is MGP juice. Um, you know, that's no secret. I'm very open when I discuss that because, like I said, we had no legal choice for a majority of our ex- legal existence, at least. But because of that, we have a unique relationship with MGP that we are using them before most. So, for example, our 92-proof straight bourbon is actually a proprietary blend that they only produce for us. They don't produce it for any other brand they source for, and they don't produce it uh, for any brand that they own. Uh, so, you know, that we have a unique relationship with that. And um, so, well, now, obviously, you know, we probably couldn't go back and do that again. But uh, we're excited now that it's legal to be bringing everything Mm -hmm. back home to Alabama. Is it the way we wanted it? Uh, Probably not. But the way I look at it is everything happens for a reason. We've come full circle. If Kenny May, uh, who has since passed, but if Kenny May would have been able to build that distillery in 1999, it could have fit in this room right here. Mm -hmm. It would have been super small very very craft i don't know if there's a word below craft whiskey but that would have been it and now we're building a 20 million dollar distillery on 76 acres of land that's going to be just like something you see on the bourbon trail so obviously it all happened for a reason i guess and uh, we've come a long way so the plan obviously you you're using mgp now but it's going to be your own mash bill is going to you're going to make it all there and it's going to be true Alabama. Whiskey. Absolutely. Eventually, uh, right away, we'll begin bottling mm-hmm. there. Even you know, even though it'll be MGP juice, it'll say bottled in Troy, Alabama. Not long after that, we're going to take some of those barrels uh, that are we had recently laid down and let them finish aging in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we'll say uh, aged and bottled in Alabama, and then after that, it'll be distilled, aged, and bottled in Alabama. Now. Uh, I will warn listeners that we're in no hurry to just, you know, you're not going to see a 12-month-old Alabama, Clyde Mays Alabama whiskey or anything. We are dedicated, if nothing else. While we do have an Alabama-style whiskey and we do, everything we do touches on my grandfather to some degree or in some way, the greatest tribute we pay to him is holding ourselves to that same standard of excellence. You know, if it doesn't meet that standard of excellence, we're not going to sell it. That's why I stand by everything we produce, regardless of where it came from, what the age is, what the proof is, what the fermentation temperature length is, uh, the yeast strain, the mash bill. Despite all that, we have to uphold a standard of excellence. And as long as we do that, then it'll have Clyde May's name on it. That's awesome because you have that ability to do like an 18 month and add the oven. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We can, you know, 
Uh, now I will say we are going to experiment with some stuff. Sure. You know, we might blend some MGP with some maybe some younger stuff. Which you know, when you do that though, you're having to quote the youngest barrel in the blend. Right. So yeah. you know, even that's a little. You know, now like I said though, you know, regardless of age. So if I, you know, if we taste something and feel that it, you know, is a good product, then yeah, sure. But time will tell mm-hmm. on that. Uh, a little too early to, you know make any promises in yeah, that regard absolutely. but uh no you know we're gonna do what we got to do and we're gonna be able to experiment and do other things that Clyde May was doing that nobody else was doing or currently is doing mm-hmm. and uh, we're excited about that now with the layout of the new distillery is there room for because 76 acres sounds like a lot but All when right. it comes to a, a building like this it's it goes quick yeah no, absolutely do you have plans for like a farm section or area or for your own grains or are you just going to use local farmers now we are going to use local farmers uh, now where we're building the distillery is actually on an old horse farm so the land has primarily been used for baling hay and stuff like that for horses uh however uh the distillery it'll be a distillery we're going to have a rick house on site that can hold ten thousand barrels but we uh have plans to build another one not on site but down the road basically uh, a bottling facility a museum gift shop tasting room restaurant bar uh, we have a just it's almost like once the floodgates open in alabama they really open we got a unique license where people can actually go and order a drink and then they can walk around the property and go see other things oh, on the cool. property and things like that so it's going to be really unique in that regard but to your point uh, that gets swallowed up quickly. Mm-hmm. So really everything we have planned for right now, there's really... I w- you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't want to say there's not room for anything else, but nothing major. Uh, sure. In fact, a lot of what we're doing, we're trying to plan for the future. So we're starting with a 24-inch column still made by Vendome, but behind it, we're leaving enough room if we need to to later add a 36, a 36-inch column still. Wow. So you know, we're planning for the future. You know, we've already. Um, acquired and looked into land about other rick houses even though right now we're not planning on doing that right now but we're looking ahead because you have to do that in mm-hmm. bourbon of course i mean it's one of the trickiest things and 
not just of all spirits, but just really anything. I mean, yeah. you're having to try to plan, all right, how many cases am I going to be selling in five years? And it's a it's a really tricky area. And you guys don't make a vodka or a gin or anything? We do you? not make a vodka, nothing with the Clyde Mays name except whiskey. Love and it. now, of course, you know, uh, a lot of new distilleries, they do that, and I commend them for doing that. they got to get their feet under mm-hmm. them. But uh, if anything, if we're not making Clyde Mays, we may, you know, uh, give back just like these other distilleries have given back to us over the years, and maybe we source from some, for somebody, but it'll be a whiskey or a bourbon. It sure. won't be a vodka or gin or nothing like that. Can we try the Absolutely. Alabama style? Yeah, I know. I've been running my mouth here for no, so long. No, this is, this is awesome. I, I'm just so fascinated by this story, especially the whole aspect of him – choosing to add that rye in there because i have never heard of that before yeah um, i actually uh i got a fun story about that when we get to the rye whiskey i think you'll like so what, what was that what is your wrist broken no i was going to there was a little bit of water in there but i was going to dump it out but oh you're fine as i say it's five o'clock somewhere yeah. uh, but as my uh you know, uh, I have my direct superior with this company. I live in a con- – Alabama's still a control state, so we still have our struggles uh, being in a control state. But my direct superior, instead of saying it's 5 o'clock somewhere, he says it's uh, it can be whatever time you want it to be right here. <laughs> That's so, right. You know, so. Plus, in Buffalo, bars close at 4 a.m., yeah. so oh, yeah, we drink constantly. Cheers. Well, cheers. Hey, cheers. Nice Thank to meet you, so you officially. Nice to meet yeah. you. Absolutely. Your whole team's awesome. This uh, is exciting. You. How many? Damn, that's good. Yeah. So, what's the size of uh, like employees that you guys have? In terms, if you count salespeople, uh, office workers like accountants or marketing or anything, it's right at thirty, give or take. Okay. Uh, so it's not a. But while that isn't large at all by any stretch of the imagination, it has come tenfold over the years when. Uh, yeah, I mean, it used to be illegal. Yeah, exactly. When I was, when, uh, so I always wanted to, my goal or dream when I was a little boy is I wanted to be a moonshiner when I grew up, right? So, you know, I wanted to be just like my dad and just like my grandfather, and I wanted to make whiskey. And my mom, who was a school teacher, used to hate to hear that. You know, she'd be like, God, I'm here we go again <laughs> I say, I say as, as redneck as it sounds you know i wanted to be a moonshiner in fact when my dad got arrested the first time i was 10 years old and the first thing she did uh, he was like hey you got to come bail me out of jail right he you know was calling from uh the dale county jail in alabama and the first thing she did she had tears running down her cheeks understandably so who could blame her and she turned around and looked at me and she goes you still want to be a moonshiner now and I was like, yeah, I do. You know, <laughs> yeah, getting, you're hey, right. hey, look, uh, getting arrested comes with the territory, baby. Right. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> um, so when I got involved with the company, uh, I, I never knew, and it, really this is just on myself. It was nothing the company ever did or said to me, but uh, I wasn't sure if uh, I had a role with the company. I didn't know if they envision me working in any kind of capacity and they were like you're joking right you're Clyde May the second give me a break but uh, when I met our, with our CEO and stuff for the first time right after I turned 21 uh, we sat down at a table and at that time there were like eight people at the table and that was our entire company and that was in February of 2016 
So we're approaching the seven year anniversary of that. And we've gone from, you know, eight to, you know, going on 30 plus people. So, and that's not even counting what we'll employ at the distillery Mm -hmm. once it's open. So that's incredible. So going back to the original juice that your grandfather made, do you know by chance how much rye he even put in there? And is this the same mash bill that he did too? Yeah. So, and real quick to that point, did, were you given like a binder of papers? We so, were like, here you go, son. This is <laughs> these are the recipes. He just he just watched him. You know, uh, you know, my father just made, worked with him and made with him, and it was just all up here. It wasn't stuff you you just watch so many times and you just learn how to do it. But mm-hmm. uh, to your point and your question about the rye content or the rye amount. Uh, because of the manner in which he was doing it, there was no way to measure it exactly. Like he wasn't able to say like, all right, this is 30% rye or whatever the case may be. So it was more of just an eye test. He knew exactly how much rye. And it also depended on your still size because, you know, sometimes he had to adjust and make smaller stills, which uh, came off, you know, fewer number of drums or barrels that uh, you had the mash with. So there were different factors at play with that. But, um, I would say that, you know, it was probably around, you know, 30 or so percent rye whiskey based on what I've witnessed with my own eyes as well. Uh, So, and then, but like I said, when you're doing moonshine, I mean, just like they never knew the proof scientifically. Now, it is scary how good they got at it. So (laughs) they will take a bottle, and I've seen my dad do it. It's really should be on like America's Got Talent or something. (laughs) It's unreal. They will take a bottle and they'll shake it. And, Uh, they'll look at the bubbles but they call it the beads they say i'm studying the beads Mm. and they look at it and then they'll do it two or three more times and they'll say oh that's between 95 and 100 proof and uh then you'll look at the label like i've done this with my dad where i'll go buy some vodka or something that's got a weird proof nothing that you can just luckily guess and it'll be like 97.8 proof or something he'll shake it and he'll be like uh between you know 96 97 to maybe up to 100 proof and i'm like how are you doing <laughs> how that, do you know that? <laughs> and i'm gonna say you're just looking at it and, it was, and it's something to do with like the amount of alcohol determines how big those bubbles are and how quickly before they pop and stuff like that but it's and Claude may could do it too but it's scary how they can do that for sure that's crazy but you had a question too about so in terms of the mash bill you know you're limited in what you're able to do when you're sourcing i think that's no secret so the main thing we focus on is the fact that it's finished with a hint of apple however the rye content of this this is a 75 corn 21 rye four percent malted barley which is a common mgp mash bill uh, that rye content is very similar to what would have, uh, or close to the amount that would have been in a Clyde Mays mm-hmm. uh, aged whiskey, or even just his unaged moonshine. When when you were going through that process and narrowing down specifically with MGP what bill you wanted, were you tasting with family members when you're like, this is pretty close to how it was? You know, actually, uh, you know, I've tasted a lot of these blends, stuff like that, but we have a great team. We worked basically we kind of described a flavor profile it wasn't so much about the mash bill it was like here's the flavor profile of what we're looking for Mm -hmm. and uh, we worked with mgp and then our corporate office including our own ceo he plays a very large role when he in taste blends as well and when we get to a certain flavor profile then that's when it's like all right this is what we want this is what we like but uh you know in terms of most of the may family involvement with the brand is now kind of more behind the scenes support i was only one young enough to kind of grow into it 
uh, because my dad was the youngest of eight children and his oldest sibling was 21 years older than him. Mm. So I'm bar none, the youngest grandchild. So I was the only one that was able to kind of jump in and get my hands dirty, which, you know, is cool too. Do you have any siblings? I have an older sister, yes. Is she involved? She she is a nurse practitioner, so uh, she steered clear of the whiskey business. So she's a... Uh, val- she can help in other ways. Well, I say she can. You know, she was a uh, uh, valedictorian of her high school class, graduated top of her nursing class, and then here's meanwhile her little brother's telling everybody he wants to you know make whiskey for a living. You know, talk about make me look bad. You know, yeah, so, right. So, but it's cool because now I've come a long way, and I get on podcasts like this, and I was like, hey Mallory, when was the last time you were on a nurse practitioner <laughs> podcast? Are there many of those around? So I didn't think so. I'm about to say yeah, that, so uh, you know, uh, I told her you know she she was focused on school i was focused on my life you know what i mean i just wanted to you only get one chance life gotta live it so but uh but no she's very successful and uh she's uh you know very proud of her and we give each other a hard time but she supports me like i said all the may family members even if they're not directly involved with active whiskey making they are you know our biggest champions of the brand because more so than the whiskey they want the story clyde may Mm -hmm. to carry on so was the Alabama style the first product that you launched with? Or was Correct. It okay. What was that like trying to market it as not being bourbon? It was – so Kenny May, my uncle, his experience with whiskey making was the exact same as Clyde May or my father. He had helped his dad make it illegally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now he was a heck of a salesman. He really was. But at the end of the day, too, he had no industry experience from a legal point of view, you know, Dealing, dealing with distributors, dealing with retailers, mm-hmm. dealing with all you know, on premise, off premise, all these things. So, yeah, there were struggles there, but you know, at the same time, though, he wasn't a national guy. I mean, he was just kind of selling to a subset of people in Alabama. And then, as the brand, you know, the brand kind of died down for a while, and uh, uh, then around 2012, 2013, it kind of picked steam back up and we haven't looked back ever since but uh why do you think that was back then you know various reasons actually uh my uncle kenny may you know and this is kind of public knowledge you know you can google it but my uncle kenny may actually got in trouble while you know he was making the whiskey legally he got in you know more legal trouble himself uh with the way he handled certain things so he more or less stepped aside from the business and the may family stayed involved but it was more on an investment level none of them had been working the day-to-day like he did so it wasn't until we kind of added on more people to the investment group that we were able because you can have the best whiskey on planet earth but if you don't have the right people behind it it's not going to go anywhere and i think that's with any spirit or any really anything in life probably Mm -hmm. uh so uh, once we got the right people behind it, uh, and I'm proud to say we have some of the best uh, industry veterans, uh, a couple of them are sitting behind me over here with me in the room, but uh, they've really helped grow this brand, and uh, along with our distributor partners and everything else, we've come certainly a long way, but uh, our state manager in Alabama, I'm going to give him a shout out, his name is Brian Chandler, he's been with the company for a while now, and uh, he was kind of there in the early periods of kind of that revival of trying to get it back going and get the steam behind it. And he jokes that in his first year with the company, uh, he drank more than he sold, you know. <laughs> so, um, but we've come a long way. But from 2001 until like 2014 or 13, the only product we had was the original Alabama style. We didn't really start expanding the portfolio until around. 
2012, 2013, and we, you know, introduced a higher proof Alabama style whiskey, and then from there we introduced the 92 proof bourbon, and then the rye, and so on and so forth. How many states are you in? All 50. My man. So, handful of countries too. We've come a long, long, long way. I mean, we have distribution in all 50 states. Uh, I've traveled to almost 40 for work related reasons, and when I was I never been on an airplane until I was 21 years old and started with this company. I mean, that was my first whiskey show or whiskey anything. So I was still in college. I was a senior at the University of Alabama, and they called me and they're like, "Hey, we want you to come work Whiskey Fest in New York at the Marriott Marquis." And they were like, "You cool with that? Can you get out of a couple classes?" And I was like, "Yeah." I mean, <laughs> I'm telling these people it's what I'm going to be doing for a living, and the whole reason you go to college is to figure out what you're going to do for a living. So if my professor's got a problem with it, you know. In a pound sand, but uh, <laughs> no, they were they were they were cool though. And uh, I flew up uh, to New York and never been on an airplane before. And I was very scared to tell them that I was like, I don't want them to think I, I know they uh, want my true Southern mm-hmm. to be part of the charm, I guess. But I don't want them to think I'm straight up, you know, full blown redneck, yeah, right? <laughs> so it was actually our CEO. Um, we were leaving the Whiskey Fest, in which you know it's like throwing somebody in the lines. Dan, you talking about a first whiskey show being Whiskey Fest? My God, that was brutal. Uh, but I, I think I handled myself well, and then we were leaving, and he was walking me back to my hotel, and I was looking up at Times Square and all the lights and everything shining down, and I was just amazed by it. i never seen Times Square except, you know, when you watch the ball drop mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve or watch Law & Order SVU or something. That's the only <laughs> time I'd ever seen Times yeah, right. Square. And uh, he was like, uh, and his name is Roy Danis, and Roy was like, LC, you've never, have you ever been to New York before? Is this your first time? And I don't know. I guess I told him the truth. I was just like, you know, Roy, prior to today, i never been on an airplane. <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. He was like, oh, my God, you've never been. And I was like, I grew up on Rabbit Road, man. Anywhere I needed to go, I drove. Yeah, yeah. right. So mm-hmm. I didn't had no need to fly anywhere. So, But now I think uh, I'm a pretty frequent flyer at this point in time in my career. Yeah. So. Did you study business in college? So actually, when I went to college, I was more, while I wanted to get in this business, I kind of focused on what if this falls through or what if they don't want me or Mm -hmm. what if I suck, right? So I kind of focused on other areas that I was interested in. Primarily, uh, um, I've always been interested in camera work and stuff like that, so uh, I did what was called at the time, uh, I think it's called like multimedia journalism now, mm-hmm. but it was called telecommunication and film back when I was in school. And I worked with the Alabama Athletic Department and I was a camera operator anytime ESPN, SEC Network, CB, or not CBS, they were kind of the one holdout, but anytime any kind of athletic event was filmed. Uh, or, you know, was shot at the uh, school. I was a camera operator for that, and that was kind of my backup plan. So uh, either now I did minor in business Mm -hmm. and stuff like that because, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. But um, when it comes to whiskey, you definitely got to know the business. But uh, it's like our CEO says, you know, he doesn't mind hiring people that have no experience in this industry. You just got to find the right people that know how to work and Mm -hmm. work hard for what they want to do and hard work is nothing I've ever shied away from. In fact, it's all, 
I was ever raised to know. I True. mean, Clyde May, I mean, he was built on hard work. You know, he had a very, he loved his children. He provided for his children, but he had a very tough philosophy. You know, if they came home and said, Dad, I made a 100 on my math test, it's like, well, good, you were supposed to. You know, you're supposed to give everything you got mm-hmm. and everything you do. So that's the way I was raised. So um, I knew going into it that I could handle myself, but it was just a fact of matter of over the course of time learning the behind the scenes stuff you know about distributors and things of that nature and every state has different laws you know um, anytime I go into a new market I have to learn about you know about pouring samples Mm -hmm. at an event or doing this or that because every state's a little different like I said I'm trying to break the family tradition of getting arrested so trying to to move on from that but we'll see you know how are sales in Hawaii you know, actually, I was just looking at our numbers, and we had one of our best months ever in Hawaii last <laughs> month. So, you know, we actually do really well in Alaska. You know, I think we were talking a little bit about that before we started the podcast, but I've been to Alaska twice to sell whiskey. That's how good of a, you know, and they're not going to send me up there unless they're doing a certain amount mm-hmm. of volume, of course. And I've been, they're doing well enough to where I have visited uh, Anchorage and Fairbanks and some surrounding areas. I've been as far north as Denali selling Clyde Mays whiskey and bourbon yeah so and yet this is my first time in Buffalo today so I just got off oh, the plane right. and came straight here cheers so, man. yeah cheers <laughs> what do, awesome. do you like it well like, hey so far so good I mean the what I know about it is what I saw in the car ride from the airport to right here but uh, yeah. you know it's uh <laughs> uh definitely I've been talking about coming up I mean I've been in upstate New York just not specifically mm-hmm. uh Buffalo uh, but uh, we've been planning this for a long time. I've been really excited because even though I travel a lot, I literally just got back from Austin, Texas mm-hmm. a, a couple of days ago and turned right back around and came up here. It can get exhausting at times, but at the same time, you know, uh, I'm trying to tell my grandfather's story. I think it's a story worth hearing. I yeah. think it's a story that needs to be told, and I'm a firm believer in that. So I just go out there and do what I got to do to tell the world about it. For sure. So you went to the straight bourbon after uh, a couple years after your Alabama style whiskey. Right. What is the difference between those two outside of the apple? Yeah. So outside of the apple, of course, that's one of the bigger differences. Right. But um, they're both uh, blends of four and five year old straight bourbon. So legally speaking, four year old, mm-hmm. you got to quote the youngest. But it's ninety two proof, and it's also non chill filtered. Uh, which all of our products are non-chill filtered except the Alabama-style whiskey because it's below 90 proof. But uh, in addition to that, the 92 proof uh, is a different mash bill. So I alluded to it earlier about how we have kind of a unique blend. Mm -hmm. It's 81% corn, 15.75% rye, and 3.25% malted barley. Uh, so uh, that's obviously, you know, if you say that to somebody, they have no idea where that's coming mm-hmm. from. And it's MGP. It's just something they're doing unique for us. It's a unique blend. That's really cool. Yeah. And then after that, you brought in the rye. Correct. Is that 100% rye? It's 95%. 95 rye. rye. doesn't drink like it, though. Uh, yeah. Not at all. And then after that, you have your special reserve. Mm-hmm. Was there some hesitation to migrate away from the traditional what your grandfather made when you started bringing in the rye and everything uh, Absolutely. Else? You know, uh we had been just Alabama style for so long, and it's something we certainly discussed. It wasn't just an easy decision mm-hmm. to say, hey, we're going to release mm-hmm. a bourbon and a rye. But then we decided, you know, um, it wasn't so much about the growth. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if I said it didn't have a little to do with the growth of the category. But at the same time, we were getting a unique opportunity because we were kind of ahead of the curve to get access to some phenomenal 
juice, some mm. phenomenal rye, some phenomenal bourbon. And what the Alabama style is is bourbon, and we couldn't call it that because we're adding just that little touch of apple. So we were like, you know what? Um, to honor Clyde May, you know, he had to do because – I mean, his mash bill was never 100% the same throughout mm-hmm. his life. He never aged the exact same amount of time every time. He never used the same amount of apple every time. He was constantly expanding and experimenting. So in the spirit of that, we said, you know, that's one of the better ways to honor him is if we got something that we feel can carry on his legacy by the quality of the product, let's do it. Sure. That's how, awesome. How did you roll into this? The special release or the special reserve. So, so that's actually a newer release from us. I'm not going to say brand new. I think we're going on about a year and a half or so. It's a six year old, so a small batch. Um, and it's done very well for it's probably in terms of a new release on our behalf, it's probably the greatest debut we've ever had in terms of how well it's done out of the gate. Uh, when we released that product, um, uh, initially, it came out and uh, it won double gold at San Francisco, World Wine and Spirits, which was cool. Well, then this year it won double gold again. So it was back to back double gold winner. Well, then this year they did a blind taste test of their bourbon submissions. You know, they didn't know what it was or what the brands were. And that product finished in the top three. So then when that happened, you start getting websites, magazines, stuff like that that are basically you know they look at these award shows and try to find brands Mm -hmm. that are you know uh, i don't want to say easy to find but you know they're not your wellers or stuff like that they're brands that maybe people have never heard of that are racking up all these awards and it's like why not why not talk about these brands and so articles like top nine bourbons you got to try right now you know um top 10 or top five bourbons and you know we've been there and a lot of brands you look at brands like 1792 foolproof or henry mckenna or wild turkey rare breed you know it was a good review Mm -hmm. or some kind of award that kind of blew up and helped them you know do really really well i'm not saying we're in that air yet but uh because of that those awards and everything that's uh, happened with it, it's been a great debut for us. It's a great product. So has it been kind of, a, it hasn't really been a steady growth. It, it kind of has been like a little bit, and then it's just kind of blown up. Well, over well the yeah, if you, uh, if you look back at starting at 2001, it was almost like uh, tsunami waves. You know, it was like up, down, mm-hmm. up, down, up. But now it's been just a slow, steady growth. Um, we are one of the fastest growing whiskeys in the United States. I mean, I remember back in like 2017 when we looked at our Nielsen's for the first time ever, we were number 96, and we were chest bumping. We're in the top 100. You know how many bourbon brands are out there? We're top 100. Heck yeah, baby. And like a year or two later, we had gone from 96 to 52 in just a very short amount of time. And at that point in time, it was no other brand had jumped more than 10 spots, and we jumped 40, Mm -hmm. you know, so we've come a long way and that's in large part due a to the quality of the product but you know when more and more people learn about Clyde May and they're like they're they you know I think no matter where you're from or where you live or how you grew up you can kind of take hold or take grasp of the life that Clyde May lived and how he was working hard he was providing for his family and in rural southeast Alabama when you're an eighth grade dropout there's not a whole lot of opportunities just to make a million dollars without doing something like this and he wasn't hurting anybody he was just making a uh, fine quality product now while he did it for his family uh, 
it quickly became part of him. Like I said, he was dedicated. Uh, it didn't matter if he was making birdhouses or making whiskey. He was going to make them the best that he could. And I think uh, that's why it's a little sad or depressing at times that he can't see the success of the brand today. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if he were still alive, he would probably still be making it illegally and the brand wouldn't even be a legal brand. So, you know, <laughs> everything happens for a reason, like I said earlier. That's awesome. So next big thing is obviously that distillery warehouse, the whole thing's going up next year. Uh, June, you said? around that time frame we're hoping for june july it's uh you know you never know with weather and other impacts Mm -hmm. and of course with supply shortages of certain things that can always be a factor but uh, that's what we're aiming for for phase one that'll be the actual distillery the rickhouse the bottling facility and kind of the uh, with all due respect, you know, the touristy stuff, you know, like the Mm -hmm. museum and the gift shop, that's kind of phases two and three. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. And uh, are you guys on social media where people can kind of track where you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Clyde Mays whiskey on both Instagram and Facebook, you can go to our website, uh, Clyde If you're, if you're not local to, you know, the Buffalo area, I know to come here to mm-hmm. get these products. You can, uh, no matter where you live, you can type in your zip code and it will show you the closest, uh, not only the closest liquor store, but the closest bar or restaurant that serves or carries our product. And we're also available on a variety of online retailers as well. So a lot of opportunity to, you know, uh, go and read more and find out more about Clyde May. So Love that. Thank you so awesome. much for your time, yeah, man. Thank you. This hey, has no, been awesome. No, Appreciate thank you everything. Guys. This uh, has been so much fun. Uh, I don't take it lightly. You know, anytime I get the opportunity to speak about Claude May, no matter the platform, I don't care if I'm speaking to one person, just one on one, or a podcast, or two thousand people. I've done it all, but uh, given the opportunity to speak about Claude May is something that I literally live for. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, that's a debt I can never repay to either one of you, except with maybe whiskey. I don't know if I give you enough whiskey, maybe we'll call it even. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> but thank you guys for having me. Uh, for sure. And uh, good luck on much continued success, too. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much. Go follow it. them on Instagram. Go follow them everywhere. Look at where they are near you. You have to go pick some of, uh, some of this whiskey because it's unlike anything you've ever had, and it's just going to continue growing from here. So thank you so much. Have a good night, everybody. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers, man. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.